0: Hi, this is Jim Lobato, and I'm president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you'd have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group. At Performance Group, we work at the front end of a company's revenue stream. We find the salespeople who generate the revenue, and we provide onboarding programs that get them doing that sooner. Our passion is aligning talent with opportunity. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. Enjoy the program. On our program today, we have Dave Crenshaw, the founder of Invaluable Inc., a coaching and training corporation that has helped transform thousands of businesses around the world. As a highly sought-after author, speaker, and business coach, Dave is the master of helping business owners triumph over chaos. Dave's first book was a bestseller, The Myth of Multitasking, How Doing It All Gets Nothing Done. This is a must-read for anyone looking to simplify their life. We are fortunate Dave is willing to share his insights on his latest book, The Focused Business, How Entrepreneurs Can Triumph Over Chaos, a guide to help businesses overcome the seven agents of chaos, stay focused, and maximize profits. Dave, welcome to our program. Thank you very much, Jim. Glad to be here. What caught my attention of having you on as a guest is The Focused Business. And if Titles sold books, I think this is probably one of the better ones because It seems like we spend most of our time as business owners trying to get this focus. So I'm curious, Dave, before you actually delve into the book, what was the genesis behind writing this book? And what got you to the point you said, you know, this is a topic we need to focus on?
1: Yeah, it's twofold. First of all, I am just someone who grew up around a lot of would-be entrepreneurs who weren't terribly successful. <laughs> and, and also, you know, I was diagnosed as someone who was, uh, quote, freaking off the charts ADHD. So focus has always been something that's been rather mystical to me. And then I, the second part of it is the fact that I've just worked with so many business owners. I've been business coaching since 1998. And I just saw a pattern that the number one cause of business failure, in my opinion, is actually a lack of focus. It is chaos. And it's because entrepreneurs, business owners are so unaware of the chaos around them and the chaos that they're creating. That's what really led to me writing the book.
0: In your experience, is it safe to say that a majority or some or what percentage you ever want to put on it of entrepreneur business owners have that touch of ADD?
1: That's an interesting question. Statistically speaking, there actually have been studies out of the University of Sweden about that. Statistically speaking, entrepreneurs are twice as likely to have ADHD as the general population, but that still only puts them at about 15%. So what about the other 85%? I think it really is just the nature of their position, the nature of their job. Someone who's at the head of a business, particularly a small to medium-sized business, they wear so many different hats. So it almost creates ADHD-like conditions.
0: Uh, that's interesting. So explain to our audience, you talk about overcoming chaos, but you actually, in your book, The Focus of Business, you have an acronym of what chaos stands for. Would you share that with our audience?
1: Yes, it's company havoc and owner stress. And if you think about most small to medium businesses, that is the constant state of existence. Now, if we're talking about the Walmarts of the world, the Starbucks, things are controlled. Things are well-documented, well-systemized. The level of chaos is low. In fact, they probably should, they might want to create a little bit more. But if you look at most small to medium businesses, they are just running around constantly. And I define chaos as the haphazard allocation of resources toward things of variable value. What that means is that you're working. You're working hard, but you're not necessarily working on the best things. You're not necessarily working on smart things and allocating your time and money on those things.
0: Dave, I think that was very insightful. Just share for our audience again your definition of that, of the allocation of resources
1: is the haphazard allocation of resources toward things of variable value. And so when I say resources, I'm referring to things like time and money. And when you're allocating them, you're putting them in certain places, but you're doing them in things of sometimes it's of great value, and sometimes it's a zero value or negative value, and it's all over the place, and that's what chaos is in my definition.
0: Every large business started out as a small business. Absolutely. Yeah, we forget that Sam Walton started one location with one store, right, in the south, and look where Walmart is today. But what do you think the difference is that those people are able to allocate the resources in the right buckets, if you were?
1: It's a great question. In my book, I talk about something, what I call the focused business model. And large businesses that started as small businesses, which are all of them, The one thing that they had in the beginning was a long-term commitment to one model. For instance, Amazon, for a decade, sold nothing but books. And now what don't they sell? So there's a long-term commitment to one thing. Marriott began as a restaurant for decades before they opened their first hotel. But what most entrepreneurs do is the opposite. They start and then they diversify all over the place (laughs) and they create multiple businesses and multiple product lines and multiple ways that I can try and make more money. And in fact, what they do is they dilute themselves and they sort of hamstring their chances of success.
0: Dave, in your experience, why is that? What's the allure?
1: I think part of it is the strong desire to be successful So someone watches a show, let's say like Shark Tank, and they see Mark Cuban, who's got his hands in lots of different businesses. He's he's invested in 50 to 100 different businesses, and they look at that and they say, I want to be like Mark Cuban. And so they do that, not realizing that Mark paid his dues for many, many years. So I think part of it is people are looking at an example, wanting to follow that example, not realizing that there was a long-term process prior to that point.
0: So long-term commitment and staying focused on one thing, appears to be foundational. So let's pretend that I do that. I'm a business owner. I'm listening to today and I say, you know what, uh, this is what I do. I make widgets and by gosh, you, you're right, Dave, I'm going to get committed to making widgets. I don't think it's as simple as making that commitment. I mean, that's probably the foundation. What other right. barriers do I run into then as an owner that forces this distraction?
1: Well, and this is where you mentioned the seven agents of chaos. Yes. I consider myself a bit of a geek. I like comic books and superheroes and video games and that sort of thing. And so what I did was I, I created fictitious characters to represent seven different aspects of chaos in a typical small business environment. And each of these are different areas where entrepreneurs are likely to lose focus whether that's on their product line whether that's on who their customer is the kinds of employees they should be hiring and so i kind of make it fun and memorable but then arm people with tools that they can use sort of the superhero utility belt to fight these villains
0: so if the owner is our superhero right right and he's battling the lex luthor of his business right Exactly. What's the biggest villain in your experience that looms out there, ready to foil our superstar business owner?
1: Yeah, well, the the CEO of Chaos Incorporated is the con, and he is the one who typically gets entrepreneurs into business in the first place. And how he does it is he tells them that they're going to be rich, that they're going to be free, that they're going to have all of this disposable time and money by sacrificing themselves on the altar of the business. And then the reality is that they keep pushing that harvest further and further and further out. So the con's con isn't that you can't be successful. You can. I completely believe that. It's that he keeps delaying the gratification of that success. And so entrepreneurs continue to sacrifice themselves and their family and their time and their health to satisfy the con.
0: Now, you have a quote later in your book, and I'll share it with the audience. You wrote, nobody works for free except for the deranged business owners with screwed up business minds. (laughs) That stuck out with me because I've talked to so many business owners that let's say they're two or three years into their business. And they probably tell me, you know, I've never taken a paycheck out of this business. And I look at them, I'd say, well, that's a dumb plan. So is that part of the con, of thinking we have to sacrifice by not even paying ourselves to get this thing off the ground?
1: That's a big part of it. I also think there are lots of little things along the way. So there's the ultimate harvest that every business owner is working for, and I encourage that. I think that's great. And you can define that ultimate harvest as selling the business or handing it off to someone else. But you can also have many harvests along the way, a daily harvest, a weekly harvest, a monthly harvest. I'll give you an example. One business owner that I've worked with has a daily harvest of just going for a walk for 15 minutes and listening to his favorite type of music. Now, you think about that and you say, well, that's not very much. But when you consider day after day, week after week of someone not doing that, that begins to take a very serious toll on the person because they're wondering, why am I being such a crazy, busy person (laughs) trying to build this business, and I'm getting nothing out of it. And you can also have a family type of harvest, like a daily harvest, where you can say, I'm at home at this time every single day, and I spend this amount of time with my family come hell or high water. And it begins with making these little commitments to find a little bit of enjoyment out of the process.
0: I think that's very insightful, Dave. Even, like you said, spending 15 minutes with your favorite music. I could be very rejuvenating.
1: Right. And the the executive of a business is the most productive employee. Yeah. We must reward that employee. We must give them encouragement to be able to stay in their business long term. But if we continue to ask them to work ridiculous hours for low pay, no other person in their right mind would continue to work for the business. And so sometimes my job as a coach has been to just say, stop. Stop take a little bit of a break. It's okay, and in fact, it's positive you'll be more productive in the long
0: run. One of the questions I ask owners when I'm working with them and they're a little confused is, you, know, you own this business, you can do anything you want to do. What do you want to do? And sometimes I just get this blank stare back. Right. They get so wrapped up in their business, they haven't thought about what, you know, You own it. You can, do, you, know, you can do anything you want to do since you own the place. What, what do you really want to be doing? And What's preventing you from doing that? So, I like the villains that 's a great way to look at the things that rob us uh, from what we do. You talk about in your book about this allocation of resource, what is most important. And how, as a business owner, do I determine that? Because everything seems important. I'm being pulled off in the direction to get my finances under control and reporting right. Get your marketing right. You know, I need to be blogging these days. Get your sales revenues where they need to be. And all those are obviously important. How do I prioritize in my business?
1: That's a great question, and part of it is that I'm taking people through the process of looking at each aspect. I think there are seven major aspects which correspond with the seven agents of chaos, and so what you want to do is pick one of them. For instance, employees, which is the most valuable employee? I'm not talking about the person who's working for your business. I'm talking about the profile of the winning employee for your business. Tech Schramm, I don't know if, you, if that name means anything, he built a dynasty with the Dallas Cowboys in the 1970s with this philosophy, hire the best available athlete or draft the best available athlete. Meaning he didn't care what position they played. He just wanted someone who was a great athlete, and then we could convert them into that position. The problem is what most businesses do is they're hiring people based on the skill set that they have based on what they know how to do rather than who the person is, and with little regard for how culturally a fit that person is for the business. When I say culturally, I'm not talking about demographics or religion or anything like that. I'm talking about their values and their personality type. Zappos has a very clear cultural profile of a perfect employee for their business, and they never hire anyone outside of that profile.
0: If you're trying to create some momentum and focus in your business, you're coming to the right place. This is BizTalk. Our guest is Dave Crenshaw. We're talking about the focus business, how entrepreneurs can triumph over chaos. Before our break, we talked to Dave about hiring and creating the profile for the ideal employee. We're going to discuss that further with Dave, and at the same time, if you're looking for resources on this topic, they're available on the website biztalkradioshow.com. We have a whole section of podcasts dedicated towards recruiting. We continue our conversation with Dave. Well, how do I deal with the fact that this person may be a super fit, but they don't have direct experience in this area? of expertise I need to have running my business. Well, let's say it's organizing the warehouse. I mean, they're the super athlete, but they were playing a tight end. And what I really need is a good center.
1: I love that you're talking football analogy. You're speaking (laughs) my language here. Here's the thing. There are two parts of the hiring process. One is traits and one are skills. And if you take the profile of, let's say someone who does warehousing, you're going to make a list of the traits, the personality characteristics that they need to have in order to succeed. And then you also want to make a list of the skills. Here's why this is important. Traits cannot be changed. You cannot change someone to be fundamentally different personality-wise than who they are. You're going to waste a lot of time and a lot of money and many years trying to get that person to fit. Skills can be taught. So when it comes to that process of locating that employee, what you want to do is say the traits are must-have and the skills are would-like. And if you can find somebody with all the traits and who also has those skills, then by all means, hire that person. But most people are putting their emphasis all on the skills, and they're neglecting one or two very important traits that might make them not successful in that position.
0: Let's talk about traits for a second so we audience audiences on the same page. When I hear you say that, some of the traits that I hear people admire a lot is I need somebody who's self-starting. I need somebody who is a lifelong learner. I need somebody who will take an idea and actually make it their own and run with it. I need somebody who is accountable. In other words, they, they take on their own accountability for the results they're getting. Are those examples of traits? Kind of. Okay. It's funny
1: because that, that list that you just gave me is
0: what I hear is the typical
1: profile of what A small business owner wants someone to replicate them. Oh, yeah. And in fact, that's actually what you do not want. You don't want another you. You're a horrible employee. That's why you're an entrepreneur. So stop trying to hire yourself or clone yourself. (laughs) Okay. So clarify
0: for our audience then what you mean by traits.
1: Yeah. I'm talking about someone who is either like enjoys detail or enjoys being with people or speaks – geek and human fluently, right? These are very specific traits. If you look at, let's just compare a sales rep versus someone who's doing bookkeeping, okay? A sales rep is going to need to have the traits of outgoing, loves being with people, high energy, or whatever it is, okay? And on the bookkeeping side, you're going to want enjoys working by themselves, attention to detail. So they're very different traits for very different positions, and so often, I'm seeing businesses trying to cram a square peg in a round hole,
0: so to speak. David, sounds like you've given a lot of thought to this element of hiring the right people. And this is going to sound like just a just a horrible question, but I, but I have to <laughs> ask down. it. Well, it's just how important is it? I mean, everybody talks about it. It seems to be the biggest misfire in business, especially small businesses.
1: It's critical. You know, it's interesting because we've talked about this employee. This relates to a principle called, a villain called the gorilla. Yes. And the gorilla is a villain in the business that's someone who's really strong but also makes messes wherever they go. Every business that I've ever coached has had a gorilla in it at some point in time. It's not more than one. And I have seen these businesses get held down by having an employee like this by not making the right hire. And the moment we move that person away, I tell people there are two things you can do with the gorilla. Put them in a cage or release them into the wild. And the moment that gorilla gets contained or released into the wild, the business starts to transform almost magically because that one person is having an almost cancer-like effect on all the other employees in the business.
0: Yeah, the excuse I hear people hanging on the gorillas is that they, well, oh, I need that person. They're so critical in this area. And Do they really need them?
1: Right. It's that old U2 song, I can't live with or without you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the re- and the reality is you need them to be a most valuable employee. You need them to start to live by the same set of rules that everyone else lives by. And if they're not willing to do that, then it's better for them and it's better for you for them to go someplace else. It really is almost a leap of faith, but time after time, I have seen that as one of the major things that holds the business on that plateau that they've been for years.
0: You talk about traits. I made an attempt at identifying some and, and you added some clarity around what those possibly are as a small business owner or even as a hiring manager. You know, we tend to hire in our own image. We tend to value the things we think we're good at, therefore that the other employees should have the same things. How do I step back and be third-party objective to evaluating the traits that I really need for a particular role? Ah, That's a
1: great question. The first thing that I would do is list the top three employees that work for you currently, real people. And then what I would say is what do those three people have in common? What traits-wise, what makes those three employees most valuable employees? (MVEs) as I call them in the business. And then once you identify those three traits, then go through and look through every single person on your roster and say does each person on this list have all three of these particular traits? Now, they may have another set of unique ones to their position, but every business has a profile. And you'll find you'll be able to very quickly identify people who just aren't playing a fit for the business. I did this exercise with one manufacturing company, and the gentleman at the end said, I need a whole new business. (laughs) Because he realized that the people who were best were people who used to work for him. And they had just been growing so fast and moving so quickly that they were just hiring based on skills and they had they had created a, a radically different culture than what they really wanted and what was really successful.
0: So let's pretend that I'm able to identify and then hire people with the right traits. I'm probably still not out of the woods here. What other villain is looming around the corner ready to foil our superstar business owner?
1: Sure. Oh, well, one of my favorites Is siphon. And siphon, if the gorilla represents a real person in terms of of employee, siphon represents a real person in terms of customers. The interesting thing about siphon is that she knows the phrase, the customer is always right, and she's weaponized it. (laughs) She takes that phrase and uses it against your business by asking you to continually make exceptions. To the way that you do things. I'm not talking about you know, giving great customer service or doing things beyond expectation, which I think is part of being successful. I'm talking about someone who's asking you to fundamentally change your core product or service in order to suit their unique
0: needs. So you're pulled off in 40 different directions modifying your products and services. If, 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 if Ms. I- Siphon is sitting around the corner at you exactly in software development that's called feature creep.
1: Oh. And yeah. and the siphon and the siphon dilutes what makes you great. A good example of a company who doesn't listen to siphon is Apple. Right? right. Apple has a very loyal core of I call them i acolytes. <laughs> Cuz it's not business, it's a church. And they cater to that group making things as simple and and I would use the word controlled as possible. And I think that the fact that I use that word indicates something because I am Apple's siphon. I am a geek. I like to tinker. I want control over my experience. I don't want Steve Jobs or anyone else telling me what I can or cannot do with my computer. And so if I go in and I get upset with Apple because they're creating this simplified, controlled environment, I'm going to ask them to change who they are, and they'll never do that. Because they have their core business, their most valuable customers, and they cater to and focus everything on what that group of people want.
0: In your book, towards the end, Dave, you have a bonus called Sam is Your Sidekick. Share that with our audience, what that is. Yeah. Sam,
1: if every superhero needs a sidekick, Sam is your sidekick. In this case, Sam represents systems, accountability, and motivation. And this is the model that I use to help businesses resolve any issue in their business. And I don't care what size your business is, what industry you're in, anything that is happening in your business that you want to change can be quickly analyzed and resolved using the tool of SAM, Systems Accountability and Motivation.
0: And and you talk about accountability really is not responsibility. And I think a lot of people confuse those two things. Absolutely, yep. So define that for our audience.
1: Yeah. So I can be personally responsible, but accountability requires a third party from my perspective. I need someone outside of me who's checking in with me, who's following up with me to help me get the maximum results that I want to get. It's why, even though I'm a business coach, I've got a business coach, and he holds me accountable to the very numbers that I'm asking other people to report to. Because, frankly, I've seen way too many quote-unquote gurus who don't practice what they preach. The reason for that is they did not make themselves accountable to someone else. And you can see that same thing in your business. Every person needs to report and be trained and followed up on by someone else. And there's a lot, of, a lot of value in creating that kind of an environment for people.
0: Thanks for joining in on the conversation. Our guest is Dave Crenshaw. We're talking about his book, The Focused Business, How Entrepreneurs Can Triumph Over Chaos. In addition to tonight's program being out there as a podcast, And we actually have a page set up for Dave Crenshaw, so it has his contact information on it. You'll also find podcasts from experts that address different areas of business, everything from sales and sales management to leadership and performance management to marketing. We continue our conversation with Dave. So Dave, a lot of what you talk about in your book and even on our program today seems so commonsensical. When you hear it, I can hear people walking away going, Yeah, I need to do that, need to do this. In your own experience, where did that come from? How are you able to really take something that's very complex, put it into seven villains, and give us really a direct approach to getting our business focused? That's
1: a great question. You know, one of the things that I teach in the book, I talk about jack of all trades, right? And there's so many different things that a business owner can do. The key, though, is to focus on your most valuable position, and this is how it relates to your question. There are lots of things that I think I, I can do pretty, a pretty good job at, and a lot of business owners look at what their employees are doing and say, I can do that better than them. It's not whether or not you can do it better than someone else. It's what you do best, and one of the things that I've just learned through the years that I do best is, is that, that I can take complex things and get right down to the most simple aspect and teach it in a way that people can take action on it. And so I even tell my team, I tell my employees, if I am not creating that kind of material or teaching that kind of material, our business is suffering. Your job is to keep me out of everything else other than creating or teaching the material. And I think that's, you know, I love that question, and I think I just want to turn that back around for your audience and say, consider for a moment, what is it that you do best? And how much, what percent of your time, total work time, is spent in just the top one or two things that you do? In my experience, most executives, small business owners, are spending about 20 percent or less of their time in those most valuable positions.
0: Well, I think that's great, Dave. I can hear our audience you know saying, "I, I would love to spend 80 percent of my time doing whatever." right? Let's say that I'm a business owner that's really good with customers. I'd love to spend 80% of my time being out there with the customers, but gosh, I got all these other things I got to do in my business. I mean, how do I get in position where I'm spending a majority of my time doing what I'm best at?
1: Well, frankly, that's a whole other discussion. (laughs) That's really what the myth of multitasking is about. But I will say this, it begins with creating a budget It's that simple. And when I say budget, I mean a time budget. People understand budget when it comes to money, but they rarely make budget when it comes to time. So if you identify your top two most valuable activities, let's say that you say, my top two most valuable activities are creating a strategy for my business and going out and making large sales, you know, contacts with large businesses to make large sales for our business. Great. Take out a calendar and budget the time to do those two things. What happens is most of the time business owners are so caught up in this, this whirlwind of activity that they're just getting blown from one thing to the next. And they have no concept of how they're spending their time. They get to the end of the day, they work really hard, but they have no clue what they did. So instead, you know, take some time in the calendar and say every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to 3 o'clock, I'm going to work on this activity and then protect that time viciously. <laughs>
0: yeah. Don't let anything get in the way of it. Dave, you're with a business owner today. The one piece of advice you're giving them is what?
1: Well, it's focus. <laughs> it's it's allocate your resources on only those things of most value. Same amount of work that you're doing, but do the work in only the most valuable areas.
0: Is there one question today I should have asked you that I haven't?
1: Well, I would love it if you would ask me a way for people to get some immediate help.
0: Oh, okay. This. I was just thinking, Dave, if people really wanted to learn more <laughs> about what you talk about today, and I do appreciate Thank you for sharing that, uh, your insights today. And I can imagine people in the audience going, you know, he's talking about this, and I need help in that and that, I need help on that. Where would they go?
1: There's a very specific website. I mean, I have my normal website, DaveCrenshaw.com, but I want to give your audience a really special website. It's ChaosQuiz.com. ChaosQuiz.com is a place where you can take an assessment that will take about four minutes to get the assessment. There's no, you know, we're not going to obligate you to buy anything or anything like that. You complete that assessment, and then a live person will analyze the results and then send you a suggested action plan on what you can do to start to reduce the amount of both personal and business chaos in your life.
0: And that website again is what?
1: Chaosquiz.com, C-H-A-O-S-Q-U-I-Z.com.
0: Dave, thanks for being on the program.
1: Thank you very much, Jim.
0: You've been listening to Dave Crenshaw. We've been talking about his book, The Focused Business, How Entrepreneurs Can Triumph Over Chaos. This show, as well as our previous shows, are available as podcasts on our website at biztalkradioshow.com. If you go out there, you'll find a tab for podcast, and on it, you'll find different categories that are related to running a business. Those areas are recruiting, leadership, marketing, performance management, sales, sales management, and of course, personal development. We have those categorized that way, so it's easy to find the topic of interest for you. You can also subscribe to BizTalk Podcast through iTunes and follow us on Twitter at BizTalk1040. If you want to learn the strategies on finding and getting performance out of A-player salespeople, contact Performance Group on the web at PMGLLC.net. This has been your host, Jim Lovato.